0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: So glad to have you here today. Think the COVID-19 virus, the Chinese Communist Party virus, however you want to call it, the coronavirus. Think that's the biggest news that's uh, peppering our media landscape today. Think again. Take a big think again. 2020 election is approaching And it is coloring everything we hear, everything we see. And this virus is no exception. Hi, welcome to Political Pursuits. I'm your host, Ann Anderson. Glad to be here today. We had a little break, had some issues to work through, but we are back and we are happy to be here with you. (sighs) Boy, lots been happening in these last few weeks since we have done another podcast and I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe I'm just letting my own conspiracy theory mind kind of go crazy. But then again, I also remember that uh, truth is oftentimes stranger than fiction. And when you look at things, a lot of times I look at things through the prism of was this sleazy or was this sloppy? And in today's world, I'm seeing lots and lots of sleaze. In fact. Some of the sleaze that I'm seeing is coming from coverage of this virus. The longer this thing goes on and the more you sit and you look at what you see around you, you know, believe what you see because most of the time what you are seeing is reflective of reality, much more so than somebody from CNN or MSNBC or even our local state media. We've got this this, uh, struggle going on in the country right now, the struggle between opening or not. Not surprisingly, you see a lot of red states who are opening and moving forward with degrees of caution, as they should be, but nonetheless, they're weighing the options and saying the consequences of staying shut down are far more damaging, even deadly than the potential of what we could face in reopening. Meanwhile, you've got people on both the left and the right coast, governors like Newsom, like Andrew Como, like Phil Murphy, who they are keeping their people giving a little lip service to opening up you know and we've got to be let the data drive us but anyway they're given a little a little uh leeway but not a lot not much at all and what's really been interesting is watching these numbers as we go along and wanted to go through and share with you a few things on on this segment because as we go along and you hear these numbers and you listen to different analysis or you listen to just the different presentation of facts and let's put those in air quotes, you listen to the spin that oftentimes accompany them. Um it's been going through my mind more and more and that okay, are these numbers especially when we love to talk about how, oh, there's numbers going up, are these numbers accurate? Is there a rational explanation for why, in some cases, that these may be accurate numbers, but the numbers are going up? And also, are these inflated numbers, do they perhaps have a reason? And perhaps that reason is to talk down any robust economic uh, recovery, especially in light of what's coming in November, and that... How dare we forget the 2020 election? Is there a political advantage to trying to keep people home prior, or at least forestall their returning to work, to more normal lives, prior to the 2020 election in order to help create some type of advantage, namely for the left, for the Democratic Party? for ostensibly Joe Biden since he appears to be the guy that they've tapped for as their nominee with all that in mind a recent piece by John Lott over at townhall.com caught my attention and Lott is a guy who I followed for a lot of years I respect him he's done a whole lot of research and analysis on gun statistics and what he does oftentimes seems to be very measured. He presents the numbers, presents his case, and a lot of times it seems to make a lot of sense. So, with that, this piece the U.S. is dramatically overcounting coronavirus deaths. Hmm, we've, we've heard that coming out of other quarters. And what he says is that as we're um, reporting that more than 86,000 people have, have reportedly died from the virus. That that number is a dramatic overcount. And he says that the metrics include deaths that have nothing to do with the virus. The problem, according to Lott, is made worse because the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, overcounts even some of these cases, and the government has created financial incentives for misreporting. And therefore, When you have all of these governors that are saying that, oh, we're going to let the data drive our decisions, and that's what's going to guide us in reopening or the pace with which we reopen, relying on these flawed numbers can have massive, massive consequences. And oftentimes they could result with destroying businesses and jobs and costing people even their lives as they react and stay in a somewhat panicked situation over fearing this virus um, we talk about uh, the uh, Dr. Ezeke who is the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health he says the case definition is very simplistic what the CDC is currently using it means at the time of death it was a covid positive diagnosis that means that if you were in hospice and had already been given a few weeks to live you're dying of cancer and then you also were found to have covid that would be counted as a covid death it means technically even if you died of clear alternative cause you had covid at the time so ding 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 we're going to list you as a covid death we're seeing that in other places this is from illinois they're saying it Medical examiners in Michigan are using the same kind of definition. These guys are classifying any death as coronavirus deaths where the post-mortem test is positive. Even people, you die in a car wreck. You sadly take your own life. If you had been diagnosed, if you had tested and come out positive for this virus, once again, you're listed as a COVID-19 death. The classifications go beyond even these broad categories. New York is classifying cases as corona deaths even when the postmortem tests have been negative. Despite negative tests, classifications are based on symptoms, even though the symptoms are very often similar to those of the flu. So if I have a stuffy nose, if I have a... Some congestion. If I have a a sore throat, a cough, that could be the flu. Oh, but no, it could also be COVID. So if I happen to die, well, then I'm a suspected COVID case, and it's acceptable to report on my death certificate that my death was via COVID nineteen. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And think about, how many times have we all heard Mario Como? Well, we're going to let the data drive our decisions. We're going to make decisions because we believe in fact-based determinations. We're not going to be reacting to emotion. How about reacting to realistic data and not data that's been skewed to help accomplish your desired goals something else here New York recently a few weeks ago went through and they added more than 3,700 people to their roles of people who had died but never tested positive that was a more than 50% increase in the number of cases they were reporting you think that doesn't also have an impact on people Let's face it, as Rush always talks about those low-information voters, we got low-information people right now, and they're listening to some of this nonsense. And this is what helps create panic for some of those people. Or when you see all of these polls that are saying 70% of Americans think that we should slow down the reopenings and they should stay at home for another 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the, the poll is. These are the reasons why people are getting bad, bad information. At some hospitals, doctors are feeling pressure from the hospitals to list it. uh, Just to kind of, you know, make it look a little worse, or in some cases, make it look a little better, perhaps from the hospital perspectives, because there are now financial incentives. The CARE Act adds a 20% premium for Medicare patients who are diagnosed with COVID. So these incentives matter. We've historically seen that government, when they increase the disability compensation for air traffic controllers, all of a sudden what you got? A lot more air traffic controllers claiming to be disabled. When the unemployment insurance payments increased, we're seeing that right now with this extra $600, what's happening? More people are saying, nah, I'm not ready to come back to work just yet. I'll ride this for a few more weeks, months, however long I can get, and then I'll check back with you to come back to work. When government offers flood insurance that charges everyone the same insurance premium, regardless of the risk level in their area, you see more people building homes in frequently flooded areas areas some would call these unintended unintended consequences hardly this is just logic this is predictable this is human nature and this is government being irresponsible with our hard-earned dollars and playing a very dangerous game with our lives so As we work through this situation, it's important just to remember several things regarding this. Number one, deaths that have nothing to do with the virus are being counted as virus deaths. Number two, add to that that the claims that the CDC is double counting some of these improperly identified cases is a reality because of what is considered an antiquated system that they're using. And number three, We now have perverse financial incentives that were created by government and people, individuals, other governments at the state, local levels, hospital administrators, people are reacting to those and it's creating more negative detrimental consequences to our country. I mentioned this in light of the election and I'll keep coming back to that because it's important to keep in mind that this pandemic absolutely like Rahm Emanuel said that off quoted phrase never let a good crisis go to waste the pandemic works electorally for the Democrats in several different ways number one it's crippled Trump's greatest asset how many times have we heard the man carry on about the economy and rightly so well now that trophy that he could hold up, it's tarnished, and its future is far less known. So, it's taken that away from him. Number two, as we've seen with some of these uh, proposals that the Democrats have come come loose or come up with, it offers the opportunity for socialist transformation. This is the kind of stuff that also often follows like a war. Think of the, the New Deal but no this is the green new deal and now it being repackaged reformulated into these aid packages that the democrats are trying to push through in the under the guise of pandemic relief and make no mistake about it right now these things can be diffused they can be defeated they can be negated come november they get a bigger majority in the House, come November, God forbid, we lose the Senate. We're going to start seeing the realities of these things. So we can kind of joke and scoff at some of the, the provisions that they're offering now, but those things could become a reality in eight, nine months if we're not careful. Again, that goes back speaking to this pandemic This virus has everything to do with the 2020 election and never take your eye off of that ball.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company. The only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flat manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: This pandemic has been a godsend for Joe Biden. While him staying in the basement has certainly been fodder for a lot of of missteps and gaffes as he routinely is prone to do, it is also helping him stay a bit out of sight, a bit hidden, a bit more managed. And that certainly, for as bad as some of the things that he has uh, gotten himself into here in the last few months and we're going to talk about that a lot in the second segment as much as it is he still has not avoided pitfalls at the same time um, this also has been a real blessing to him in helping him stay a little bit undercover but now I want to switch here for just a few minutes over to what's happening in Texas as it reopens You know, you go on and certainly the liberal media is watching states like Georgia, states like Texas as we're opening, what's happening, how's it going, and CNN, as we started getting things going a few weeks ago, they were, the sky is falling, Texas has seen the highest number of coronavirus cases in a day, deaths too. Yeah, CNN, remember we're also testing more. Think that doesn't make a difference? Well then, think again. Of course these people know it makes a difference. But anyway, in response to that, a guy named Sean Trendy, he works at Real Clear Politics, he was doing some great uh trolling on Twitter and was putting up some great um some great some great charts and graphs about our rolling averages of new cases in Texas. And I'm gonna put all this up on our Facebook page. Or, you remember our Facebook page is at political. P suits also the same for Twitter and so I hope you'll take a look at that but anyway he goes through and just has some wonderful charts that go through and talk about the rolling average of new cases and then he has the rolling average of tests son of a gun you look at the trajectory of these two lines and they're both almost identical then you go in And you look at a seven-day rolling average for the positive tests in Texas. Oh, my God. With the positive tests, at a point they peak, and then they start going down and down and down. Did I mention they keep going down? Sorry, CNN. The news isn't nearly so dire as you want to make it out that they are. You know, what could be, what could be, The reason for this, what's Texas doing? Texas isn't doing anything. It's just very simple. Once again, can we just kind of take a reasonable, measured approach? And God gave us a brain. Let's honor him and use it. You're going to see more more positive test results because, number one, we're testing more. And another reason you're going to see more is that there are some people who are more out and about. They're coming in contact with other people. So, yeah, there's going to be a little bit more exposure. But when we also take a look at what this exposure means, we're finding out that especially in Texas, certainly in the case where I live, one of the most gratifying things when every day the local paper prints the the numbers, the s- recent stats on this, is that despite having, I don't know, maybe close to 300 people now that have, have been reported having the virus, The number of people who have been hospitalized is very low. I mean, I'm talking about like plus or minus 50, perhaps. And so, and the number of those people who were in ICU is even less. So by the grace of God, what infection we are having in my county has seemed to be quite mild. Now, the three deaths that we've had, yes, they are tragic. They are horrible. Our condolences absolutely go out to those families. I don't doubt that they're heartsick. But at the same time, we do need to be realistic about this. And certainly in our county, Bell County here in Central Texas, there is no reason to be living with some kind of morbid fear that walking out of your door is going to be a death nail, that you're going to get this virus and you're going to die. In fact, you've seen a lot of, of analysis over over these last weeks and months that talk about you're far more likely to what get struck by lightning, to uh, be in a car wreck. I mean, there's just all sorts of, of crazy things, haphazard, random acts at which they rival the same kind of mortality rates that we're seeing from this virus, and so. As we start thinking about, as we start assessing what our governor, what our local officials, how they are responding to this virus, it's important that we all have a measured approach in looking at this thing. Just some quick numbers that I want to run through here. As of today, our total cases are at about 56,560 total cases. Deaths, 1,536 Of those cases, guess what? 683, 44% of those, were either in nursing homes or assisted living. 578 in nursing home, 105 in assisted living. Now, I don't know about you, but those are pretty good odds considering that we live in a state that has 268,000 square miles. We live in a state that has 29 million people. It includes three of the nation's top ten cities by population, being Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Austin, Fort Worth, and El Paso are also in the top 25. We have vast rural areas larger than many whole states. And, notice when you look at the statewide numbers, most of the cases, the clusters of cases, tend to be in the bigger, denser cities. You know, these are places where they have, oh, what, international airports? Wow, do you think they had people coming from Wuhan, from China, back earlier this year? Or maybe they had people coming from New York who had come via Italy or had come in contact with people from Italy, considering that that's how it's thought that a lot of the East Coast cases were hatched. So Texas, their numbers... Our 56,000 infections are really just not that large considering our state's size and its population. So these are all, again, questions that we need to be looking at as we assess the decisions made here on the statewide and local levels, but they are also These type of numbers and this type of mindset, this thinking has got to be also transferred over when we look at what's happening at the national level. And remember that some of the spin we're hearing has to do with impacting, influencing people's thoughts, their sentiment, their thought process with regard to what's going to happen with this November election. So the bottom line, be it if you're in Texas, any other state, is should we remain locked up despite a low infection rate and a low fatality rate? Is that something that makes sense for people across this country as well as here in our state? And think this isn't happening at your local level? That's something else that I wanted to talk about. Earlier today, um, Empower Texans, Erin Anderson, who works for them, she does a great job reporting on a lot of issues, uh, voting integrity, things like that. But she has a great piece out. And again, this will be up on the Facebook at Political Peace suits uh, Facebook page. But anyway, and I'm not going to go all the way into it, but she is reporting how Collin County Judge Chris Hill has advised his residents this weekend that... The Texas DSHS, Department of State Health Services, will begin reporting probable COVID cases in addition to confirmed cases. So once again, the same kind of reporting that we've talked about that the CDC has been championing, we are seeing that trickle down through our state and here one astute county judge is actually forewarning his his constituents that, hey, the numbers are getting ready to change. They're getting ready to tick up. So everybody, be aware. What's not changed is the threat of this virus to you. What's changed is administrative. What he has said is that It's remarkable how low the standard is, he told uh, the commissioner's court in a meeting last week. He said, I fear this is coming at a time when we're just now starting to reopen. If the numbers jump in a false way, it's going to start being very concerning to our citizens that we're actually going backward. Another uh, commissioner, Daryl Hale, he said following the meeting, I am not happy with the state-mandated changes. As a county, we have been good about reporting cases and information. And now, midstream, the reporting methodology is changing. This change will make quality decisions harder. The increased positives, the false positives, are also going to result in more residents quarantined for insignificant reasons and it's also going to raise public distrust of the state's reporting. It also is going to stress state health department resources because remember all this contact tracing that they're doing is you have those resources which those resources are people working on the state payroll i.e. being paid by your tax dollars This contact tracing, it's going to lead to them pursuing more probable cases and will lead to inflated lists of people being monitored. None of this is helpful in stopping the spread of this virus, nor do they in any way strike any kind of prudent balance between public health priorities and individual concerns. This is not a way in which to approach this. And remember, this is what that's being reported in Collin County, but this is coming from our Texas Department of Health. So whether you're in Collin County, whether you're in Bell County, whether you're in Travis County or anywhere else, your county is subject to this new methodology being used. So beware. A local activist, Mike Openshaw, he has a background in medical microbiology and virology and data analysis. And he's been following this. He says, suddenly adding these numbers to the number of confirmed cases will cause the numbers to skyrocket. From an epidemiological standpoint, it will make it impossible to determine if we are gaining or losing ground. From a political and policy viewpoint, this will poison the policy well with false numbers. That, my friends, is concerning. And so please beware. And again, I will have this entire article posted so that you can read it for yourself. And please take a look at this. Think about the implications it could have for your county. Watch to see what happens with the numbers in your county. One final thing I want to go through, and that is a few weeks ago, I enjoyed sharing a story with you from uh, Matt Margulis at PJ Media. And he had some great analysis on how New York, New York City and its surrounding counties basically pulled out about a a population um, area that was represented about 12 million people, how that is dramatically skewing the entire country. So, he's revisiting that again and updating that. And he is talking about how that, from what he's seeing, there is a very significant Democratic coalition that's trying to make this the Trump death toll. And in doing so, he is once again saying, you know, it's worth taking a look at this so that people understand that as much as you hear about how the U.S. has all these dramatically large numbers of virus deaths, that... It's not as it seems. New York is still skewing that hugely. And so what he goes through, he's using numbers from May 24th. And when you look at the confirmed deaths of the 10 worst hit countries in descending order, this is information from Johns Hopkins University. Number one is the USA. At this point, they're saying 96,000 deaths. UK is at number two with 36,000. And then it goes on down Italy, Spain, France, Brazil, Belgium, Germany, Iran, and the Netherlands. Okay, now, what happens when you adjust these numbers per capita? When we look at this, not based on the numbers overall, but when we look at this based on the virus deaths per million people, Belgium is number one at 791 deaths per million people. Spain, number two, 573 deaths per million people. You get it. UK coming in next. Italy, France, Sweden, Netherlands. Notice anybody missing? Oh, here it is at...
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo
2: code BEN.
1: We have the USA with per capita deaths, 288. Belgium has 791, nearly 800 people per capita deaths. USA at number nine, 288, nearly 300. Pretty amazing difference, wouldn't you say? we went from number 1 to number 9 when you adjust it for population but let's take one more quick look here remember downstate new york new york city and the surrounding counties about 12 million people let's take them out of the mix let's let's treat them as though they're their own country they like that so let's do it this is their own country oh Looky here, we have a winner. Number one, when you go through here and look at, again, the death rate per million people. In the first place slot, we have downstate New York with 1,700 deaths per million people. That's downstate New York, New York City, and the surrounding counties. 12 million people, they're number one, 1,700 people per million. Number two, okay, Belgium's still there, number two. But again, remember, they're only 800 people per million. So downstate New York has a 1,000 people more per million deaths than what formerly was the highest-ranked country in country per capita Belgium and then we have the same the same list of of, um, countries going down here except number 10 we beat out Switzerland now we have the USA at number 10 without downstate New York our death per million rate is 233 so you see the difference that just that one area is making in a, in many people's perception of how badly this country is being impacted by this virus. And it's also important to note here that Iran, China, Russia, we still don't really even know what's happening with them and who knows how Dramatic, their numbers truly are. We'll probably never know true numbers, but I'm sure at a point we'll get some degree of better sense. So, anyway, that's where we are. All of these articles will be up on the Political Pursuits Facebook page. It's a lot of numbers, but it's some very interesting data. It's important for us to know this information, think about this information, share it with our friends, our family. As we go out making decisions in our personal life, and as we assess and think about who's making, who in government these days are making decisions for the good and for the bad when it comes to getting our country back on track. With that, we're going to switch gears in the next segment. I've gone a little long here, and we're going to talk about Uncle Joe Biden. Boy, he stepped in it into last week. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to take a little trip down memory lane because, you know what, going on that show, The Breakfast Club up there out of New York with Charlemagne the God. Oh, boy, he is a he is a piece of work. But anyway, we're going to go on, and we're going to look at what Biden said, and then we're also going to uh, take a look at just some of the other luminary, political luminaries who have come across The Breakfast Club. Uh airwaves, and some of the great things they've said. So this is Lou Ann Anderson, Political Pursuits, the podcast. So happy to have you here, and we will be right back.
3: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick.
1: and welcome back to political pursuits the podcast this is your host Lou Ann Anderson and this segment we are going to kind of switch gears a little bit we were talking about how with this 2020 election it's starting to um, it's shape is starting to evolve and we're we're seeing some different things certainly in the positioning of the uh COVID-19 virus as uh, Trump's virus and the Trump death toll and all of these things, which certainly are a ploy by the left to impact, to influence uh, the outcome of the 2020 election. Meanwhile, sometimes it's hard to believe that we do actually still have a, what's supposed to be a competitive race going on, and on the Democratic side, straight from the basement is Uncle Joe Biden. And even though he takes some criticism for spending too much time down in the basement and needs to get out, um, oftentimes when he does make contact with the, with the above world, he um, <laughs> reminds us just how dicey things can be with Joe Biden. Friday morning was no exception. Uh, the Democratic nominee, the uh, aspiring, he had a phone date with Charlemagne the God, who's a DJ. His real name is Leonard Larry McKelvey, but he's host of The Breakfast Club. Now, mind you, the Breakfast Club is a morning drive program that emanates from Power 105.1 in New York City, but it's it's a deal. I mean, they, they're heard. I think they've got about 100 affiliates, and so um, it reaches millions of listeners, which its audience is predominantly black and Latino each day, and the show is oftentimes more kind of a pop culture type format, although... Charlemagne, they do routinely have um high profile politicians on, and it's kind of one of those um one of those venues that's become a stop, an expected stop for any significant contenders in the uh presidential races. It's been that way the last few cycles, and so anyway, Joe Biden was on with Charlemagne Friday morning. And uh, had about an 18 minute interview, and you know there were some Bidenisms through it all, but at the same time, there were lots of "Hey man" and "Come on, man"s and and folksy type stuff, and definitely a degree of pandering. But he maintained to some degree until the end when the vice president said this.
4: It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community.
1: Now, needless to say, that set off a media firestorm and incited all sorts of condemnation uh, from a lot of black leaders and just a lot of hand-wringing from people on the left trying to find a way to to explain it away and um, certainly those of us on the right we were having a good time with it so the handlers and uncle joe saw that certainly some type of response was quick quickly needed and so in the best crisis management style what do we do ah let's get an afternoon phone call scheduled with the black chamber of Commerce. So, Friday afternoon, big conference call with the Black Chamber of Commerce and Joe Biden proceeds to kind of explain his comments and apologize and start asking, uh, showing contrition, like this. I shouldn't have been such a wise
2: guy. I shouldn't have been so cavalier. No one, no
4: one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, their background.
1: Well, needless to say, hearing from Joe Biden, he wasn't the only person people wanted to hear from after this. Charlemagne was the guy who also was desired to talk to. And uh, Erin Burnett on CNN with her show Out Front, she kind of scored one of the first big gets Friday evening with Charlemagne on. And at that point, he... uh I think in retrospect he was kind of starting to uh kind of defended Biden in a way, but then he started kind of appearing to, to distance himself um a point. This is what he said to uh Aaron Burnett. My
4: initial reaction was was exactly what I said. You know, that's 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 what my focus was. You know, it's not about Trump, it's about who is gonna present the best deal for black people, who was gonna have an economic justice plan for black people, who is going to finally give black people what they are owed for building this country. You know, slavery was America's original sin that this country has not repented for. And, you know, in the fix to systemic wrongs that have been done by the black community, you have to create legislation and policies and plans to counter that. And I'm on board with whoever is offering that. I vote my interest in my interest of black period.
1: So what I said to him, that was my initial reaction. And he also followed up with this comment. Yeah, I mean, it's just that simple. Like he has a black agenda
4: called the, the Lift Every Voice Uh, Lift Every Voice plan, and I mean, there's some cool things in there, but I still think that it could be much stronger. He's already committed to having a black woman on the Supreme Court, and I think that, you know, a, a black woman running mate is necessary, especially after the day, you know? And like the statement he made was interesting, you know, because that's something I hear from other black people. You know, it's very interesting to see that an old white man also looks at black people in that way. Like that question, what makes somebody black? That's a discussion for black people to have, you know, and a white man is certainly not qualified to have that discussion. But people do connect blackness to support and protection of black culture. So I guess when we see a black person voting for Trump, and you, you know Trump is a threat to marginalized people in this country, it does make you question how much that person cares about his people. So I understand the statement is just a shock coming from a whole white man like Joe Biden. It was a real bullworth moment, if you've ever seen that movie.
1: And it would seem that time is not Joe Biden's friend when it comes to Charlemagne, because after these comments Friday evening, he got a little bit more pointed on Sunday morning when he was with the uh, lovely Joy Reid on MSNBC. Here's his uh, first comment that I found kind of noteworthy. Um,
4: just some really major policy commitments for the black community, uh, mainly in the form of economic justice, so we can you know, tip the scales on some of this wealth inequality in America. Um, I do hear a lot of people say, you know, we also want him to have a black woman running mate, you know, but not just any black woman running mate, one that's going to actually, you know, get in the office and care that black people benefit from her presence there. You know, we need substance and significance over symbolism. And he's already committed to putting a black woman on the Supreme Court. So I just want him and the Democratic Party to know that it's time to give back to the black community in a very tangible way. But I, I can say that, you know, the major The major point that I'm hearing about is just, you know, economic justice, some form of economic justice.
3: He
1: later went on to make one more statement that I think probably should have struck fear in the hearts of many Democratic consultants and those with a, a vested interest in trying to make sure that the Democrats prevail in the November election. Listen to this.
4: I mean, I I know that's the attitude, you know, I mean, that's why I don't even care about the the words and the lip service and the apology is cool. But the best apology is actually a black agenda. You know, they got to make some real policy commitments to black people. We got to stop backing like the fact that blacks are overrepresented in America when it comes to welfare, poverty, unemployment, homelessness, drug addiction, crime, coronavirus like that's no accident. Like the whole function of systemic racism is to marginalize black people. And as the great Dr. Claude Anderson says in the book Dynamics*, white society has an out-of-sight, out-of-mind attitude about racism. And they don't like to have any discussions of substance about systemic racism. So when you have black people who have the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to act like citizens and demand something about votes, it's a problem. You, it's just it's like you got, you know, whites telling telling us to stay in our place and you got black people saying, oh, stop, now is not the time. You're going to get Trump reelected. It has to come to a point where we stop putting the burden
1: on black voters to show up for Democrats and start putting the burden on Democrats to show up for
4: black voters. All right.
1: So the damage is done. The apologies are made. And now it's just up for the chattering class to keep spinning it to their desired directions. And this is one of many things that will happen between now and November But certainly it was an interesting look into Joe Biden's, I would say, his heart and his soul with regard to race and expectations of certain groups when it comes to voting for him in the upcoming election. Biden having egg on his face is nothing new. So Friday was nothing new, but it's also kind of just, I I thought this was fun. I came across some information.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: That just kind of reminded of other people who have gone on to the Breakfast Club and talked with Charlemagne, who have also, other candidates, who have also ended up making some um, memorable statements. And so I thought we'd share that. One of the first things that popped up was, remember when Hillary Clinton was on back in 2016. She was on, uh, it was April 18th, 2016, and she sat down with Charlemagne. And they were talking, and uh, right as she was getting ready to go, a gal that is one of Charlemagne's co-hosts asked her, what is something that she always carries with her? And Hillary answered with this.
3: No more questions? They said, no, she has to go. What's, what's she, something yeah. that you always carry with you? Hot sauce. Really? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now?
3: Hot sauce.
4: Hot sauce in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Really? Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know, people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it working? I'll give her credit for one thing at least she admitted she was pandering even though she was kind of doing it in jest we all know she was dead serious did it work? Evidently not so much now another fun stop on our little memory lane tour of Breakfast Club notable quotes comes from none other than Elizabeth Warren just a year ago May 31st, 2019, Charlemagne sat down with Elizabeth Warren. And uh, he had some questions for her about her Native American descent. Here's how that one went. So wait, Your family told you you were Native American? Yeah. Charlemagne tells me I'm Dominican, yeah, but I don't
4: believe it. You me. are. How long, how, long, how long did you hold on to that? Because there was some reports that said you were Native American on your Texas bar license and that you said you were Native American on some documents when you were a professor at yeah. Harvard. Like, why'd you do that?
1: So it's what I believe, you know. That's like I said. It's what I learned from my family.
4: When did you find out? You, when did you find out you weren't?
1: Well, you know, it's it, I'm not a person of color. I'm not a citizen of a tribe, and tribal citizenship is an important distinction, and not something I am. So,
4: were there any benefits to that?
1: No. Boston Globe did a full investigation. It never affected, nothing about my family ever affected any job I ever got. You mm-hmm. um,
4: didn't get a discount in college. No. You kind of like the original Rachel Dozal a little bit. Rachel Dozal's a white woman pretending to be black.
1: Um, this is what I learned from my family. <laughs> Rachel Dolezal. Boy, isn't that pulling back a name from the past, but don't we all know exactly who that is and what that reference meant? Poor Liz. She can't get any love. Somebody else who made a little, a couple of headlines uh, was none other than Bernie Sanders. He was on with Charlemagne just a couple of months prior to uh, Elizabeth Warren. And Charlemagne wanted to know, does America really need more white men as president? Here's how that exchange went.
4: So, So Bernie, 44 out of 45 presidents in this country have been white men. Do you think we need another one? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think you need this one. Um, look, uh, we are living in an unprecedented time. We have the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country, somebody who is a pathological liar, a fraud, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, a, racist. a xenophobe. A man, a cheat. Now you're just getting warmed up. you know? <laughs> right. Now, this is a bad news guy. And right. the most important thing that has got to happen is that uh, this dangerous president is defeated. I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him. Uh, I look forward to winning the Democratic nomination. And uh, if I don't, I will support anybody else who's out there to defeat him. But this guy uh, uh,
1: cannot win another term. And here is my favorite, my absolute favorite of all of these, Kamala Harris. This was last uh, February, February of 2019. She was on, and of course, this is a, a show that, you know, features a lot of, of hip-hop music and is is very much into that genre of music and everything, and she was asked a question about smoking weed when she was in college. Here's how she answered.
4: What does Kamala Harris listen to? What were you listening to when you was high? Uh, <laughs> what was on? What song? with
3: Oh, Snoop? my goodness. Oh, yeah, definitely Snoop. Uh-huh. Uh, Tupac, Tupac, for sure. For what you sure. to now?
4: What's your favorite hip-hop artist now? What's your favorite artist? You
3: know what I really love is Cardi B. You like Cardi B? I hey. really do. Okay. I really do.
1: Uh, it- <laughs> Talk about pandering. And when you pander so openly, obviously pander, you do sometimes get what you deserve. And, boy, it happened with this one. Let's take a couple of. Fact checks of things that uh, Senator Harris said. First off, she was asked about smoking weed when she was in college. Well, a look at her background reveals that uh, Harris graduated from college in nineteen eighty six. Okay, completed law school nineteen eighty nine. Good for her. Problem is, she had to be a very talented, very insightful, ahead of her time gal during those years to have been listening to Snoop Dogg and Tupac. Because Tupac's first album wasn't released until 1991. Snoop Dogg, his first album, 1993. Again, she graduated from college 86, law school 89. If you're going to uh, affix a hashtag to Kamala Harris and this little interaction, I guess you could take your choice of hashtag liar or hashtag busted either shoe fits quite well one final clip and I thought this one was kind of a little bit lame but we threw it in here just to for the sake of throwing it in here Pete Buttigieg he got a couple of showings on there with Charlemagne but anyway he went in just this last September September 4th 2019 it was after one of the uh, the first round of the Democratic debates And he had not done well. He had not gotten much airtime, and he just had not done well during that show. And so when talking about his showing at the debate, Charlemagne asked him this.
4: Do you think you sucked in the first couple of debates? No, I thought we were good. Do you? You kind of got lost, Matthew. Like, I like you because you're
2: charismatic. I didn't really get that from the first couple of debates. Well, I mean, part of the debate format is they got you giving 60-second answers. Mm -hmm. There's 10 of you up there, and it's hard to have the meaningful conversation like we can do in the town halls. Town halls are good for us. Interviews are good for us because you can dig in. The Breakfast Club is. Uh, Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I mean, really, we we can dig in and talk Mm -hmm. about something in some depth, right? Harder to do that in the debates. And the pressure is to just get out there and knife each other, right? And, and. That's what I think the uh, on some level. That's what I think the networks want you.
4: to I think do people to. want to see that too. They
2: want to see the making. Yeah, but I'm not, we're not there to entertain people, You're right? right? Uh, now it is fair game to to bring out the contrast. So I think uh, you know we're going to be talking more and more about the differences between what I'm putting forward and what the others are. But I'm not going to do like a canned, made for TV moment in order to uh, you know be the talk of the uh, the town that night, and then a, a few weeks later, everybody's forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I- and of course, he doesn't think he sucked. I don't think Mayor Pete would ever, humility never has seemed to be um, an attribute that one would describe to him. So that's our little walk down memory lane of the Breakfast Club and the luminary roster of political aspirants, aspirants, I guess you would say, who have... um, come on their airwaves and some of the memorable clips that we have from them we're going to take a quick break and then come back with one more short segment just something that caught my eye that i just want to share with you so we'll be right back this is political pursuits the podcast i am luann anderson Hey there, it's Lou Ann Anderson with Political Pursuits the Podcast, and we are back. Before we wrap up today, I just had one more quick story I wanted to tell you about something that caught my eye yesterday, and I just found very, very interesting. This was reported by Jim Hoft at Gateway Pundit, and it is some information that former Fox News reporter Adam Housley. Uh, put up on Twitter here just in, over the weekend. Now, Adam Housley, you'll remember, he used to work for Fox News. He's married to Tamara Mowry. She was one of the twins from Sister Sister. She's a host on The Real now. Um, anyway, Housley is a California boy and just, I always enjoyed his reporting and kind of missed seeing him on the airwaves. But anyway, he evidently still maintains some contacts And he put up a series of tweets this weekend on the ongoing Obama-Skygate scandal. And according to Housley, he says the scandal involves corrupt officials from both parties. And he suggests that the case is moving swiftly and that there are three particular men in the crosshairs. And remember, I told you everything we see, we hear these days you need to be looking at it in the terms of how does this get spun to impact the election? Because that's what everything, that's the lens in through which everything will be seen. So he says three men are in the crosshairs. And he names them. You ready? H.R. McMaster, Rod Rosenstein, and deceased U.S. Senator, Trump-hater, John McCain. Now, certainly McCain's name has been floated around in conjunction with the Steele dossier for a long, long time. Um, It was like one of his aides that supposedly went over to, I think it was London, and was instrumental in helping to circulate the Steel dossier, so McCain's name is not unknown in this, uh, universe of players, however, it hasn't, it hasn't been anything that's really always gotten much attention, and, uh, certainly I can't think of anything recently, but here, let me read you at Housley's tweets. First one, the corruption runs deep and through both parties. It ain't gonna look good when it's all said and done. Here's another one. It ain't about Republican and Democrat anymore. Thankfully, he does know better English. But anyway, it ain't about Republican and Democrat anymore. It really isn't. People were given the opportunity to do the right thing, and some chose wrong. It's about right versus wrong. Another, names to watch. McMaster, Rosenstein. McCain, this crosses party lines and you all need to be prepared. This isn't about being pro-Trump or anti-Trump. You all need to understand that and you need to be willing to call it out irrespective of party. Another tweet, major issues within the FBI, an agency that I love as you guys know, but major issues. Sides being taken and even amongst former agents, a lot of frustration, especially outside of headquarters. And one final tweet, tweet, Adam Housley says, Ray should have cut out the cancer and didn't. Again, this will be one more article that I will put up on the Political Pursuits Facebook page. I urge you to take a look at it. Just wanted to share that. Um. Take it for what it's worth, and I guess uh, we will be seeing in the upcoming weeks, months ahead. One last note: uh, we are going to be doing another podcast probably next week, and we're going to change things up a little bit. Going to have a little uh, roundtable type format coming in with a a few of my buddies, and many of you know them: uh, Con Tatum from Common Sense with Con we'll have Lynn Woolley here hopefully from uh Planet Logic and then we're hoping that we can corral CJ Grisham from his exploits as he's uh doing all sorts of different things during his time in the area this summer. So anyway, we're trying to put that together and hopefully it will all come together next week. We'll keep you posted on it. But meanwhile, I thank you so much for joining us here today on Political Pursuits the podcast. This is Lou Ann Anderson. Take care, stay safe, stay smart. We'll get past this virus, and America's best days are still ahead.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.